So let's get started. Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to be here this week with Mike, Mike Kim. Mike is probably my number one mentor, I guess I would have to say. We met way back in 2016 at Podcast Movement, where we will be at in a month from now, or a little less than a month. And I tell the story a lot, but you know, you were just kind of this normal dude. I know you were going through some things at that moment in time, but you didn't talk about yourself hardly at all. And you were just, but everybody wanted to talk to you. Everybody wanted to say hi to Mike. Everybody wanted to ask Mike questions. And so I figured there was something to this Mike guy. And I started listening to your podcast and that led to getting into your mastermind, which I've been in now for five years, four or five years almost. But now Mike is also one of my podcast clients. So he is someone who has now done a podcast for five or six years now, right? I think I've been, I, my first, I first started podcasting in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then after a couple of years trying to do it on my own, that I found you and then I hired you to do <laughs> to do it. And the show just uh, got so much better after that. But yeah, I've been at this for a while with podcasting. It's kind of crazy to think about. So I wanted you to come on this week because you've been doing this for a while. You've been through everything that a podcaster goes through. You've been through trying to figure it out yourself. You've been through all this stuff, all the hurdles. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that because the topic of this live is some of the biggest mistakes that people make when starting their podcast. But I want to start out and let people know a little bit more about you. You are what I would call a a personal brand expert, right? You are a personal brand strategist. But maybe you could tell us a little bit more about how you help brands, businesses and leaders find clarity as to what to say, like in their messaging and everything that they do. Sure. You know, personal branding, this phrase has come into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's it's prevalent everywhere right now everyone uses it danny it's found its way into corporate america people are doing entire trainings on it but for folks who are freelancers for folks who are coaches for folks who have been solopreneurs if you will Mm -hmm. um we've kind of understood personal branding to be an identity right branding is all about identity and when we talk about a personal brand it's really just a blend of a couple of things that make up that identity, your ideas, your expertise, your reputation, and your personality. There are folks who will have similar ideas to one another. They have similar expertise, all things being equal, they have a good reputation. And yet some folks will choose one expert over another simply because of their personality, they just like this person better. And so what we have is a situation where you're trying to market something that's actually very fluid, a person, right, and their ideas and what they're into and what they like. And so if any of you listening have ever felt that, you know, you're trying to like nail down Jello, you're exactly right. That's what you're trying to do. And so what I do is I try to bring clarity to that process. I help people to communicate with a message that really cuts through the noise to give them uh, the tools to build a compelling personal brand so they can build an actual business around it and really show them how this weird world of marketing people and your ideas works. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a formula. There is not maybe a formula, but a blueprint. There is a pathway that we can all lean into. And so I'm happy to share a little bit about that today. But this whole idea of personal branding is everywhere now. 
but it's been around forever. It's our reputations, how we yeah. perceive one another. Yeah, it's it's not just the consultant. It's not just the the coach or the the solopreneur or the the small business that has the one person as the figurehead. It it really is everybody, whether you're working in a job or running your own business. It's it's that I, I like that you that you really nail it down as that. Yeah. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the last live that I did, and we talked about how when starting a podcast, you have to figure out who you're talking to and and all that sort of stuff. The idea of brand identity. What should people do first when they're building an actual brand identity? Well, we really start with establishing your point of view. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because most of us, many of us, especially if we are in a highly regulated environment work-wise, mm-hmm. whether it's our, our career, whether it's the certain kind of career that we have, uh, we're not usually working that muscle of self-expression mm-hmm. all the time, right? It tends to atrophy over time. Uh, I've worked with a lot of folks who have come to me and said, I want to build a personal brand business. I want to become a speaker or a coach or create content online. And I want to sell my services. I want to sell products. And the tough thing is that it's very, very difficult to sell something if you have nothing to say or you don't know what you want to say. So I really start with kind of re-energizing, re-engaging that muscle of self-expression. In my experience, the folks who have had the most trouble kind of sharing their ideas and sharing their point of view on things are people who, again, come from highly regulated backgrounds, law, finance, education, the military, you name it, right? Because these industries are very regulated. They're not often rewarded for thinking or saying things outside the box. And then what are you supposed to do? Go on the internet, start a podcast and Mm -hmm. talk about all these things that you think? That's really a big leap for a lot of people. So I start with the point of view. And what I do is I ask people three simple questions. Number one, what breaks your heart? Number two, what ticks you off? And number three, what's the big problem you're trying to solve? Now, I'm using those questions on purpose Mm -hmm. to kind of get and dig into the emotion of it. And uh, for your audience, I'm going to start with what ticks you off. Because when when I ask people, like, what ticks you off, what pisses you off, they start to lean into the injustice that they see in the world, right? So it may be as simple as, man, we waste so much time in our meetings, that just ticks me off, right? And you just let them vent. When I ask them what breaks their heart, that's about the compassion they have for people or for a cause, an initiative. And number three, what's the big problem you're trying to solve? That is your position. That is your voice. That is your leadership role in a company. And why you want that role, or that is your business. Mm -hmm. There's a saying, business is nothing more than solving a problem for a profit. And so we want to figure out what that problem we solve is. All of our businesses, all of our roles in a business, in a company, come down to solving problems. And so it's really those three questions. And your brand message is found at the intersection of those three things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that... That is something that the the podcaster struggles with as they're thinking about who are they going to talk to, who are what's their show going to be called, what audience are they trying to reach. I often see that struggle in that 
they have to take the time to create the content they want to create, but then also find who it is that's listening to them and get feedback from them and see what their needs are. And I, and I think your questions, your personal brand three questions really hit at that. It allows them to get first an idea of who they want to talk to and who they think they're going to be talking to and what problems are they going to try to fix. But then it gives them that ability to go back through that process as they hear from people and get feedback. And, and you're really good at this. You're really good at, at figuring out the message that people should be sharing. So I wanted to spend some time with you talking about some of the mistakes that podcasters make at the beginning. And, and I think one of the, the most important mistakes, mistake number one, uh, and I'll say mistake number two as well, that early podcasters make and podcasters are just starting out is thinking that by starting a podcast, they're going to have this huge audience. They're going to, their podcast is going to go viral. And then the second mistake that they make is when it doesn't go viral. It doesn't have a huge audience after 10 episodes, 12 episodes, 15 episodes, they give up. They give up too soon. And I talk a little bit about how podcasting is like that long-term investment where you keep putting into it and, and depositing and depositing and depositing and it grows over time. What experiences have you had with these mistakes and and how do you how do you look at the podcast in, in terms of content marketing? Yeah, I, I think that one of the biggest mistakes people make with a podcast is they don't realize the power of consistency. So I, I say this to a lot of you know folks that I coach. When it comes to content marketing through a podcast, consistency is greater than intensity. So Danny, it's exactly what you said. They're very intense at the beginning. Mm -hmm. They pour all their energy into figuring out what their message is, the show title, the show art, right? The artwork for the show and all these other things. And really how big of a splash are you supposed to make in 10 weeks? Like, honestly, if you have a new audience and they're just getting to, to know you, uh, how big of a splash can you really make in 10 weeks? I think about some of these Netflix shows that are out now and they come out in seasons, right? And they have like 10 or 12 or 15 episodes or whatever it is. And people maybe get hooked after a season, but you can't just have a one season run. Mm hmm you got to keep going. It's the best shows. And that's what we're talking about with the podcast. It's a show. The best shows are consistently good. Mm -hmm. And this idea that just, if you just have one great episode out of 10, it's going to go viral. It just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. What I found is that people tune in to listen to my podcast initially because they want to learn something. They come for the learning, but they stay for me. It's why we tune into, if anyone still does, uh, radio shows. Mm -hmm. it, you know, I used to, what I jokingly call gossip for men, <laughs> sports talk radio, right? Like, I wonder what he's going to say today. I wonder what he thinks about certain topics. And I don't, I don't listen to every single radio show. Sometimes my day doesn't, doesn't allow it. But that relationship is there. And I remember when certain radio hosts that I used to listen to would say that we're ending the show. It's going off air. And it was devastating. I was like, who am I going to listen to on the drive in the afternoon? 
And so with a podcast, it's really, really important that we have consistency there and that people understand that this is a long-term play. Uh, you use, and you come from a music background. I often look at it, the analogy like this. Yeah. Podcast listeners are the folks who listen to every song on the CD. Whereas the, whereas Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, like those are singles, you know, and it's the most diehard fans that know every song on a record that mm -hmm. show up at your concert, not just the ones who are listening to, to the one song that's hit the top 50. So that's yeah. kind of the analogy that I've always used. Yeah. And I was trying to find the page in the book. I've, I've mentioned it to some people. This book is basically the last five years of my life. All the things that you've taught me over that period of time. And one thing you talk about, too, is that that body of work that you create as a content creator or as a personal brand, that that valley of focus that you stick with this podcast and you focus on the one or two or three things that you're experts at and stay with that and continue to create content on that topic. And it leads to this, this respect. And I, and I talk all, all, often about how if you can do 10 episodes of a podcast, people are going to see you as an authority. They're going to see you as an expert. And if you can do that for 50 episodes and 100 episodes, and I mean, you're now almost to 300 episodes over the last six or seven years. At that point, people know that you are a leader. You're a leader in the field. You're someone that can be respected. You're someone that can write a book from it. And to me, that's important as well, is just to show people that you know what you're talking about and that they can trust you and they can learn from you and you're putting value out there into the world and not charging for it, which, which I mean, most podcasts are. Now we've got options for people to pay to be followers, but you're putting this out there. How have you seen the effects of your podcast along those lines? What did the number of episodes and the amount of work lead to for you? The podcast was instrumental for me, Danny. And when I was working in my corporate job, I was the CMO of an educational company. Mm -hmm. You can go back to my podcast right now, all those years ago, and see where I made the transition and left my job and went into full-time entrepreneurship, full-time solopreneurship, you know, as, as a coach and a, a freelance writer. Mm -hmm. And I would not have been able to do that without having a podcast. I blogged for all of 2013. I blogged once mm -hmm. a week, every Monday. And then in 2014, I decided I'd start a podcast and I added it to the blog, right? I added it on top of blogging. After two years of doing that, you know, blogging for two years and podcasting for one in 2015, that's the year I went full time mm -hmm. in my own business. Now, why was I able to make that leap? I had the same skills. I was still a free, I was still a good copywriter. I could coach people. I had the credentials coming from, you know, the C-suite from a company. But what did the podcast, what did the podcast give me? It gave me a community. It gave me an audience. It gave me a consistent audience. So that when I said to people, I'm thinking about quitting my day job, starting some coaching programs, I had an audience that said, we'd love to join in. We've been waiting for you. I mean, they literally would email me and say, we've been waiting for this day. You know, we're here to, we're here to jump in. You now have time to serve us as your folks, right? 
as your clients. You mentioned the body of work, and that's so, so important because over time, consistently creating content is what allowed me to enter people's email inboxes so that mm-hmm. I could contact them later. I gave them helpful tips. I gave them content. I gave them valuable expertise. And it was through a format that people could subscribe to. Now, it's interesting because here we have LinkedIn. We have other social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and they call it you know, followers or they call, it, they call people friends, right? But you can't necessarily or people don't habitually subscribe to your Instagram feed. Mm-hmm or to your Facebook feed, but they will subscribe to your podcast. And in a case in point story, this happened a number of years ago, and I published my episode on Wednesdays, as you know, and I missed one. This is before you and I started working together. I missed an episode. I was late in producing it. And I got an email and it had an expletive in the subject line, (laughs) right? And I was like, wow, what the heck? Who's cursing me off via email? And it was like, what the, you know, blank, Mike. And I opened the email is like, what the blank? And I'm like, who is this? I scrolled down to read who sent the email. It was like, it's Wednesday. Where's the podcast episode? Hope you're doing well, man. And Danny, I've never gotten that kind of a message from Instagram posts or even here on LinkedIn. You know, it's like that kind of stickiness with the audience. Just incredible. Yeah. Right. And so it was just everything. And today it is my primary content creation channel. Mm -hmm. In fact, the book that you showed that I just released, uh, you guys can grab it on Amazon now. It's called You Are the Brand. Uh, There are entire sections of the manuscript that I took from my podcast, transcribed and cleaned up and was Mm -hmm. able to weave into the manuscript. So that right there, I'm a writer by trade, but it was so much easier to talk out some of these things. Mm -hmm. And so as a content creation channel, it has been the primary driver. Yeah. Now you hinted at my third biggest mistake very early on in answering this question, and that's obsessing over every detail. Mainly, this is a big mistake because you can't get to creating that body of work if you're still trying to figure out your title. And if you have a chance, those of you that are watching to go back and watch the live from a couple of weeks ago, I talked a little bit about choosing your title and why sometimes it's important, sometimes it's not. Sometimes SEO is important. Sometimes it's not. It really depends on what audience you're going at. But maybe share, could you share a moment where you have obsessed too much over one thing and it led to you missing out or missing an opportunity? Yeah, I remember in the early days of podcasting, I was obsessing over every um that I said in an episode. And I used to self-edit before I started working with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, I was starting out then too. So the skill level, skill level was different. I wasn't as comfortable as I am now. Yeah. And I remember this one time, dude, I stayed up till four in the morning editing an episode, just cutting out all the ums and re-recording. And, and, and then, I mean, that was just torture. And then once I started doing interviews with people, I, I would have to find a time to book them first of all, and this is when I was working my full-time job. So it was very difficult to have, you know, spare time to do all this. Mm-hmm. Then their audio would sound different than mine. Sometimes their microphone would be really loud. Sometimes it'd be really soft. And I, I'd have to go in there and edit everything because I wanted to make it right. You know, I want to make it fit. 
And it took three times as long to edit that interview as it did solo shows because I had this other person to edit. And then I started getting nitpicking on nitpicky on what the person said. I'd cut out their ums. Yeah. And that actually prevented me from doing more interviews. So as a result of that, I didn't have as many episodes. And sometimes I'd struggle to create all the solo episodes. Yeah. And so I'd miss days. And so that right there is a workflow thing that was that was rooted in being overly perfectionistic mm-hmm. and not being realistic about where I should be spending my time. And it, it like everything connects to the other because not doing more interviews. You, I mean, you talk in the book about how relationships are rocket ships, you know, partnering, collaborating is the key to building a business like this, an online business, any any business, really. By not doing those interviews, you weren't having that opportunity to meet those people. Um, I mean, maybe talk a little bit about how, how many interviews have you been doing a day over the last few months <laughs> coming up to the book launch? Yeah. So, you know, with the, yeah. So, and th- that's also telling because I have talked to a bunch of authors, friends mm-hmm. of mine who are best selling authors. I'm like, what's the best way to market a book? You know what they said? do as many podcast interviews as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's telling right there, you know, go on as many interviews as you can and talk about the book. Um, so, you know, that's, that's pretty eye opening to mm-hmm. hear all these authors kind of talk about, um, why that is the best channel to move forward. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these relationships, um, Podcasting hasn't just been a content creation channel for me. It has been a networking channel. Uh, I've had hours and hours and hours of conversations with people I normally wouldn't have conversations with. You know, they want to come on the show. They want to promote something that they're doing or they want to, you know, speak to my audience. And that's great. We talk for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. I mm-hmm. see him at a conference somewhere else, Danny. And, you know, we have already banked 45 minutes to an hour of conversational time. Yeah. And if they have a good conversation there, they're like, hey, I really like Mike. We, we should hang out. They might have me on their show. Mm-hmm. And now we've got two hours of logged conversational time. And that goes a long way. And, and they're seeing what I know and what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing what I, they know and what they're good at. And so that goes a long way. And so over time, I've built up these relationships simply by doing interviews on my podcast and when I needed folks to help me get word out about my book mm-hmm. uh, and, and even endorse the book, yeah. I called on a lot of these folks and they all said yes, because we had built relationship over time. It was just, it was, it's just an incredible relationship builder. Um, and you don't need to travel to an event to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and before we move on too much, I also want to get into this, this fourth mistake that I see, because you are you are an expert at launching things because that's kind of what you do in your business. There's a lot of content that you're launching. There's a lot of products that you're launching. And I see occasionally, well, not occasionally, often that this is the mistake. And it relates to the idea of people thinking in a podcast going to blow up. They think there's going to be a huge audience. They give up too soon. Most often because they, they launch without an audience. They haven't built an email list. They haven't built anything. Um, and even just simply going on other podcasts as a guest to borrow other audiences can save you from that 10, 15, 20 episodes where only 
10 people are listening and half of them are your family. Um, is there anything that you found really helped you when starting out your podcast that that helped you grow that audience early on to to the point where you were starting to hear from people that you were starting to get feedback? Yeah, it was. So it's interesting you say that because I didn't feel like I had, quote unquote, a big audience. I'd been blogging for a year, like I mentioned. When I started my podcast, I had been a member of a blogging community that was teaching a bunch of us how to effectively write for online writing and uh, building your platform and all this sort of stuff. And by proxy, those people, Danny, just sort of became my new friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of was active in the community. It would be sort of like a, a, a Facebook group or LinkedIn group today, with the exception that we paid to be in it. Which raised the stakes of everyone involved, right? And mm -hmm. so I just, that was my sandbox to play in. Yeah. And I would answer some questions. People knew I was a marketer, and so they would ask me some questions there. Mm -hmm. And so I just built up sort of a small reputation in that, you know, in that, in that small pond. I built up a big reputation in that small pond, I should say. And I had maybe, you know, a handful of people on an email list, you know, whatnot. And when I launched the podcast, I launched it and the people who listened were the people in those communities. Years ago, I believe it was Jeff Bezos who said this, you know, sometimes it's hard to verify things on the internet. <laughs> and, and he was asked, what is a brand? Mm -hmm. And he said, a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a good definition. But I would update it. This is the Mike Kim 2021 version. A brand is what people say about you before you even get in the room. Or what they know about you before you even mm -hmm. get in the room. Because we've all been in networking events or at conferences where nobody knew who we were. Mm -hmm. And it is a marked difference compared to you going into an event where people know who you are. Yeah. It's so much easier to connect. It's so much easier to have forward conversations. And so when I started my podcast, I felt like I was talking to my people, mm -hmm. right? my people. And so um, that was just hugely important to building relationships and starting with the people that I already knew. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It, it, you, you, you have even simple examples and simple exercises in this book of how to start that audience, how to start that initial email list by just talking to the people that you know, going on social media and focusing on the thing that you want to talk about so that people, again, start to think of you as that person, that brand, They, the, what they know about you is, is before they ever meet you. You know, you've been podcasting for seven years, six years, whatever. You've had multiple shows. I often get this question of, well, isn't podcasting past it? You know, the people that started six years ago, they're the big podcasters now. You know, podcasting started 13 years old, uh, 13 years ago. Isn't it almost over? There's millions of podcasts out there. There's hundreds of thousands of active podcasts in, in Apple's podcast directory. Why should I start a podcast? Because, you know, there's three other podcasters that are already talking about what I want to talk about. There's in every aspect of online businesses, there's other voices that basically are sounding the same or saying the same thing that you might want to say. So how can a brand really say something that's actually unique in 2021 
where they're competing with multiple podcasts and multiple Instagram accounts and multiple blogs, multiple YouTube channels that all are talking about the same thing. Yeah, it's really your personal stories that make you different. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and if you're in the expert space, I see, you know, folks are asking about, you know, how do I figure out what I want to talk about? Or, you know, this podcast is for business and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are starting a podcast, it's likely because you have some things to say. And if you have some things to say, then you, it is, it is imperative. It is vital mm-hmm. that you lead with personal experiences and personal stories. So excuse me, let me, um, let me give, you know, a couple of helpful questions that can spur maybe some thought into creating content and telling good stories. Maybe there is something that we believe, right? There's some tenet that we live by, whether in leadership and business and in the way we see the world. I just ask people, well, how did you learn that? How'd you learn that? And that will spur a story. And Danny, you know, I've known each other for a long time, but I, I know I could do this with you. If I just said, hey, you believe so strongly in podcasting and you say that it's so important, how'd you learn that? Yeah. And you would tell me a story about how, you know, during a tough period in your life, podcasts were there for you. Mm-hmm. They were like friends for you, all these different friends speaking life into you during that season in life. And that's why you believe in it so strongly and have chosen the career that you've, ha- you've chosen. Now, I know that story, but it's so simple. If you just simply ask people, how did you learn that? That's what sets you apart from everybody else. It's the personal brand, right? Ideas, expertise, reputation, personality. You got to wrap that in the stories of how you've learned certain things or how you've made them happen for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, folks who are in this space and want to launch a podcast, people are not going to come for you just for information. There are three reasons why people consume content, information, right? Inspiration, right? Or entertainment, right? That's really it. Mm -hmm. It's one of those three things, but there's gotta be a blend between those three things. You can't just have one thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So if you are primarily giving out information, you need to mix it up with a little bit of inspirational content. How do you do that? You tell a personal story about how you learned it, Mm -hmm. right? How you learned what you're teaching that will give context for the content that you're sharing. Yeah. So, so let's step back to square one, because I know that, you know, we're a significant portion of this audience is coming from LinkedIn. Um, Let's say they're the person that, they're working in a corporate job and they, they aren't happy. <laughs> they like, they like what they're doing, but they aren't happy. They, they maybe want to try and do it on their own or they really like podcasts and like, Hey, I should be a podcaster. I, I would be a good podcaster. What's the best way for someone in that position to figure out what skills or experiences or expertise they have that they might be able to turn into a business or into a podcast that turns into a business? Yeah, Um, that's a great story. So great question. So here's a short story, right? Uh, This this is how I learned this, right? Years ago, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I think we all get there multiple times in our lives, right? This is when I was experiencing some career frustration. I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I was grateful for it. Mm -hmm. I was running the marketing for this company, but it wasn't deeply fulfilling. And I didn't know what I could do. 
And I'd heard of people kind of making a living online and sharing their thoughts online and mm-hmm. building what an expert business is or whatever, you know, you call that. And one day I just started to write down everything I did at every job that I've ever had. And if you follow me on LinkedIn, you will see that my career path looks very jagged. You're like, what the heck? This guy is all over the place a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And right out of college, I worked for Mellon Chase Investor Services for a few months. I was, I was doing some things on the phone for them, uh, had some telemarketing experience. Then I taught SATs for high school students. You know, I taught critical reading to get them into college, helping them ace the SATs, right? Mm-hmm. Do well on that test. Then I would became the music director for a church in New England for a number of years. And then after that, I became the CMO of this company. Now, that is a weird career path. Right? That's a weird career path. But so I wrote down all the things that I did at these jobs. So I'd say I taught SATs to high school kids. I um, I uh, recruited volunteers for the music teams. I marketed our albums. I hosted our our conferences at the church. I uh, mentored uh, other teachers at the academy where I worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I marketed the academy and I you know built you know these things for them, marketing things. And there were, of course, other things that weren't on my job description, right? I led team meetings. And then I took my pen. I don't know why. I just, I remember it's, I just kind of did it. Mm-hmm. And I crossed out the end of every sentence. And then what I saw on the sheet of paper in my journal staring back at me is I spoke, I taught, I hosted events, I recruited, I mentored. Mm-hmm. And it was like I saw myself for the first time because for so many of us, when we think about what we are good at, we see ourselves primarily through the lens of the organization or company that we're with first. Yeah, yeah. We define ourselves by that company rather than seeing that that's who we really are. So try that little exercise for anyone tuning in. Try that little exercise, and it may give you some some clarity as to mm-hmm. what skills and abilities you actually carry. Yeah, and I, I want to remind people um, that a lot of this stuff that Mike is talking about is in his book. Uh, you are the brand. Basically, uh, most of these exercises, these activities, have gotten me to this point where I started out as a, you know, my journey was working in music and working in an operations role in a nonprofit. And it was a life, uh, a life event, a life change that led me to have to figure out how to do all of this on my own to create my own business. And over the last five or six years, it was going through these exercises and going through these steps that have gotten me to the point now where I have a podcast production agency where I'm managing a team of 10 people and I have uh, director of operations that you know runs the business on a day-to-day basis so that I can keep the business moving forward and and create content and things like that and and I have all of this stuff because I figured out well what do I want to talk about and how can I help people and what can I do for those people what do I know from my music background that relates to this that I'm able to teach and help people with um so I would really encourage you to check out Mike's book, You Are the Brand. And I, I know there's a bunch of questions in here that we can start to, to take a look at. Some people have had um, some questions even earlier on. 
Krishna here is asking about tips for conversive podcasts, people discussing about someone's life or achievements. Um, I mean, I would go back to stories. You can never go wrong with stories and telling people what you learned from a life lesson or, or an event. Um, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think I think the conversational podcasts, great questions beget great answers. Mm-hmm. So you've got to lead in with some great questions. Uh, I just had an inter, uh, interview co- go live on my podcast today. And uh, the gentleman who who is who I interviewed, Rob Morris, mm-hmm. is uh, the founder of a nonprofit organization that provides care for victims of child trafficking. Mm-hmm. And he is an incredible storyteller, incredible storyteller. I've su- supported their organization for years. And I just had an honest question. How do you keep telling these stories over and over again, these horrific stories? Where do you find the strength? And, you know, Danny, he said, that's a great question. And it led us down this conversational trail mm. that it just never would have gone down before. And so when I when I look at conversational podcasts and I'm looking at interviewing people, mm-hmm. I always want to have a few good questions in the bag. Mm-hmm. A couple of other good questions. You know, I shared one earlier as well. You know, how did you learn that? How did you learn that? That will spur some stories. Or what's something that you've learned in the last year that you wish you learned five years ago? Mm -hmm. That's always very, very helpful. It keeps the conversation moving forward and opens up new pathways for us to talk about. So just have good questions. Good questions beget good answers. Yeah. Now, I know I'm going to destroy this name. Aishwarya? is asking, um, <clears throat> she's doing a, a narrative podcast, which is very popular. A lot of people like narrative podcasts. She's launched two episodes and got some downloads, but she's gotten lost. She's gotten off track. So it's been two or three months. How Any idea how to grow such podcasts? And and I would also say, when we go back to what Mike said earlier about consistency, with podcasts, consistency is really important. Um, and I know for a lot of people, maybe you're in a position like Mike was, where he was had a full-time job and had to do this on the side. Um, in those instances, I, I think for a lot of people, it's really helped them to batch record their podcasts. Um, I know you use batch recording for a lot of your interviews. What is that process like for you? Yeah, so me, um, nowadays, I will set aside one or two days a month just to interview people. And anyone who wants to do an interview on the show has to make it during one of those two months. Mm-hmm. Like at the, at the end of the day, someone's got to control the calendar. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be you or your guests, right? So at some point you're going to have to, to control your calendar. Um, now, even with my solo episodes, I have to block out a day because that is a different type of energy to record a bunch of podcasts in a row. If I'm doing that that day, I'm not doing anything else. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was working my full-time job and I didn't have a lot of time in the mar- margins, um, to the question here, uh, I'm, I'm just going to be a little realistic. Don't do a podcast that takes too much time to produce. If you don't have a lot of time to do it, change up the, the format of the podcast. Yeah. When I was working that full-time job, Danny, I, just, I mentioned a few m- minutes ago, I couldn't figure out how to get interviews done. 
Um, I only had what weeknights and Saturday and Sunday to record interviews. And I found that most business leaders didn't want to do an interview on a weeknight or on a Saturday or on a Sunday. Yeah. And I had to have it make a choice. Do I let that be what stops me because I'm stubborn and I'm sticking to this format or do I switch more to a solo show that I can record on my own time at my own pace in my own space, just knock it out. Mm -hmm. And make the priority be that I release the show every single week. Something has to take priority here. Yeah. And um, you know, if I was trying to do a, a you know a Joe Rogan type podcast where we talk for two hours <laughs> while I was still working a full time job, that would not have been a smart no, decision. No. And one one of our mutual friends, Jeff Coleman, who does um, a wonderful podcast, The Psychology of Copywriting, he went through this recently too, where he was creating a podcast where he was researching these articles and 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 journal entries and things like that that really went into the depths of neuroscience related to copywriting and how it affects us and he would do these wonderful 45 minute episodes and he just started to get burnt out um and wanted to quit because he just he couldn't commit to that time anymore and you said to him and i said to him hey so do five minutes do 10 minutes, hit something that's really important, hit something that's really high value that you help people with all the time. Find ways that you can get it done because just being there, I, I tell people often, hey, just show up and do a five minute episode saying, hey, how's everybody doing? Um, I don't have anything this week, but I wanted to show up and, and say hi and see how you are and what, you know, please get in touch with me, you know, give them your information. What's your, what's the, e the email address or the DMS or the speak pipe link for your podcast so that they can submit questions. It's so always encourage that feedback and that conversation. Um, uh, again, I'm going to, I'm going to terrorize these names. Susmita uh, is asking about uh, interviews. I believe here, like bringing experts on your podcast um, when should you do that? Or should you start on your own, establish your voice and then expand to speakers? I often talk about now, I, I say that if you're, if you're a thought leader, if you're thinking about creating a podcast where you are teaching, you're coaching, you're, you're putting something out there in the world that you believe in, it's really good to, again, yes, establish your voice at the beginning um, one of the, the mistakes that I may throw up later on is talking about how to put together your first five episodes. And I always tell people, first episode should be your story. The second episode should be, why are you doing this podcast? And then really quickly, you should do three episodes that help people, that solve problems for people, that teach them something that's really important, that will be valuable to them in that journey. And then I even tell people now, try to talk to your audience first. Um, if they have questions, encourage them to ask questions and answer those on a podcast. And then if you get to a topic where you're not the expert on that topic, but it's important to your area of expertise, do an episode where you lay out the groundwork of this topic. And then in the next episode, bring on the expert that can go a little deeper. Um, I find for people that are that are creating content like that, that's a good way to establish that you are an expert, you're an authority, and you know people that can also support that type of thing. Um, how have you used experts on your podcast to to support the personal brand um, idea and and process that you're teaching? 
Yeah. Um, you know, for me, Danny, I can talk about branding. I can talk about marketing, but mm -hmm. running a business as a solopreneur is much more than just branding and marketing. Um, I've had my integrator, my COO, essentially come on the show for a number of interviews, Chelsea Brinkley. She has expertise that I don't. This is, this is why we work together. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had my um, the folks who handle my taxes and accounting come on my show. Mm -hmm. I've had my intellectual property attorney come on the show. Because all of these folks can be incredibly valuable to my audience. Mm -hmm. I've had my nutritionist and fitness coach come on the show. <laughs> I've had my mindset coach come on the show. Mm -hmm. Because I want my audience to realize that I am not all things to everybody. And this allows me to give back to these people who have contributed to my, my life and my business. Yeah. And it allows me to really, really add value to my audience and say, these are the people that I'm learning from. And so, no, I'm not the subject matter in those fields. Mm-hmm but my audience trusts me to bring them the right experts in yeah. other related fields in terms of growing a business in this way. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, that's, that's been incredibly fun. It has, it's honestly made doing the podcast more fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked about branding for my gosh, seven, eight years now I'm running out of things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's now, then I wrote a book and I'm like, what else can I say? It's all in the book. Yeah. You know? And so the conversations are what keep it alive for me. Yeah. You know? And so that's how I do it. Yeah. And uh, I put Dana's question up here too. I, I would say the same thing to you, Dana, um, that any business, it's really good to talk about what you're doing first and then bring people in to support you. Um, Binta here is asking about how long does it take? Um, how long does it take to produce an episode? And also, how do you decide how many episodes to produce per season? Um, I'll, I'll take the per season thing. I I feel like podcasts are moving away from seasons. You know, you have your true crime, you have your narrative podcasts that have a certain arc to them where seasons work really well. If you're not doing that type of podcast, it works much better to just show up every week. Even if one week is five minutes and the next week is 25 minutes um, to just continue that relationship. Now, I know how long it takes me to produce a podcast because I do this for a living and, and I have a team. But um, you shared a story early on of how it would, would take you hours. What was what was your average when you were doing it yourself to produce a podcast? Yeah. So on a solo episode, I would never talk more than 30 minutes. That was the max. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't listen to myself for 30 minutes. So how am I going to expect other people to listen to myself for 30 minutes? And that's still true today. I, you know, my longer solo episodes are 30 minutes. My regular ones are around 20. Yeah. Now, when I was producing my own show, doing all the editing and all that jazz, it took me probably at least another hour and a half on top of that. So, you know, I, I have the planning of the content that takes God knows how long. It just depended on the topic. Mm -hmm. Then I'd have the actual recording of the podcast. It, and if I nailed it in one take, it would take the 20 or 30 minutes. If I had to keep yeah. re-recording things, it would take an hour. Then I had another hour and a half to produce it, do all the writing for the show notes mm -hmm. and all that sort of jazz. And, uh, and then you hit publish. Now with an interview, the interviews would go longer. There wasn't as much show prep because we were just having a conversation. But the interview would be an hour and the editing, I swear, was two hours. Because now I'm going through all the audio tracks, trying to make them all sound similar. 
And you can hear a marked difference in even the quality of the audio. You know, once I started working with you, Danny, versus when I was doing it myself, um, you guys, you know, have all this magic, you know, stuff that you do to mm-hmm. make the audio so much better. And so that has cut down dramatically on my production time. Yeah. It is worth it for the investment that I put in every month to do that. So well, yeah. that's really how long it took me. Initially. And you had, you also had a good amount of experience being on stage and speaking in, in ministry, in your job as a, as a CMO. Um, I I'm similar. I had, you know, back in high school, I was in theater. I, you know, had to be a musician on stage. So if you're not that type of person where you're used to speaking a little bit, it might take you a little longer to record. Like at the beginning, you, you might want to script out your episodes a little more. Um, I find for some people that can help them get through that process of where like Toastmasters would ring a bell every time you say, um, if you script it out, you can get into a rhythm of how to deliver your points, having written them and then how you should maybe tweak them to be spoken. Um, and then you can get to the point where maybe it's just an outline of bullet points of like, I want to talk about this and I want to share this story here. And you, you get, um, more smooth, uh, as you go along. And, uh, you know, we kind of hit on this question that came up about optimum length of an episode at any point in time in the top 200 episodes on Apple podcasts, the average length is about, uh, 45 minutes. That doesn't mean that you couldn't do 10 minutes a week. That doesn't mean that you couldn't do 20. Um, interviews are going to tend to be longer. It really is, and, and I always come back to this, you have to listen to your audience. If they want more, if they want longer, go longer. If they like short episodes and you see that downloads are better or you get that feedback, um, definitely go shorter. Now, um, Michelle threw up this wonderful question here. I think we we answered a lot of this on overthinking the whole process of creation um, and worrying over similar creators and how to be unique. Uh, but she also mentioned, sometimes I wish I had a recording device attached to me to catch the best conversations. And that's the wonderful world of technology now. Um, I know, uh, what what's the app that you use on your Zoom calls so that you can pull anything that you happen to say? Yeah, it's called Grain, grain.co. Uh, so that's what what I use for Zoom. Michelle, this is a great question. And, um, you know, what what I tell a lot of my clients and a lot of my students who I mentor and coach and, and all that stuff is that uh, the best stuff, the best content comes while you're on the field of play. Mm-hmm. You're not going to think of your best content while you're sitting at your desk trying to think of your best content. The best content reveals itself while you are in engaged, real conversations with people which is why I have so many real engaged conversations with people through my podcast, through other zoom coaching calls. It's why I still to this day love doing workshops. A lot of the stuff in my book, even the illustrations, the drawings I created on the spot at workshops, Mm -hmm. you know, Danny, nobody plays the highlights from practice in an NBA game. They only show the highlights on ESPN from the stuff that happened in the game. Now, you can have an incredible play in practice, and it could be epic. It could be better than what they've done in the game, you know, skill-wise, but it doesn't count. It's the game that counts. So I'm continually getting in the game. I'm getting off the bench. I'm getting onto the court. I'm getting onto the field. And I have found the best ideas reveal themselves that way. So, Michelle, if you're finding that the best convos happen kind of out there and in the wild, 
figure out a way to schedule more in the wild conversations yeah. while you have your recording equipment with you. Right. And that's the beauty of having all these Zoom meetings now, because we we can record those if we want and we can pull stuff. Um, there's another app out there called Descript, where you can take the video, throw it into Descript, it will transcribe it, and then you can highlight the quote. This is the same way the grain, grain does it. You can highlight the quote and you can pull that video and you can use that as content if you have a release or whatever. <laughs> um, or you can say, oh, I want to do an episode on that. Let me flesh that out a little bit. Um, and I threw up some other questions that kind of go along these lines. Um, you know, Michelle asked about engaging content. And we kind of covered that. You know, it's also, I'll go back to just listen to your audience. Always ask for feedback because you want to provide the content. You know, you don't want to go too far off the mark of where you want to be, but you want to provide the content that your audience needs. And a lot of podcasters will find once they get into their podcast and they're creating this long form content, they may find a different audience than they thought they were looking for, but it becomes a better audience. Um, and Jaya, you know, asked about going live online and creating a podcast from that content. And that's a, that's a wonderful idea. That's the beauty of this podcast long form content. I, I will, full disclosure, I'm taking this download of Mike and I talking and I'm going to put it on my podcast as next week's episode. <laughs> as my interview with Mike, in addition to talking about some helpful things. So people are doing this all the time. And, and that's very, very helpful. Um, a couple of people have asked about um, how to build your audience. And specifically, I'll let Mike maybe um, share some things because Mike is a master with his email list. Um, but for me, I mentioned it earlier, borrowing audiences is a great way. It's probably the most effective way to grow your audience. It's also an effective way to sell your book, like Mike has found. Going on other podcasts where you can be a guest expert, sharing your expertise, and then saying, hey, you know, I have a podcast. If you want to learn more about this one topic, go check out episode 20 or if you've got a wonderful website, go to my website and search for, you know, search for the term legal issues or intellectual property or something like that. And you'll find all the episodes where we go deeper into that topic. Setting up some mechanisms where you can borrow other audiences and bring them back to you is a wonderful way. Um, I've also used other forms of content, things like this going live. Uh, doing a series of trainings as live streams where you talk about, just take one episode of your podcast and break it up into three parts and do it live video. You're going you're gonna to hit a different audience. Um, how have you used your email list to grow your podcast audience? Well, I email my list about the podcast. That's, that's first. Um, you know, you have to get in the habit of doing that. And those audiences don't always cross over. You know, people who like to read don't always like, like to listen and vice versa. But you got to take the chance. And um, I'll let them know about, you know, podcast episodes that are coming out, especially ones that are very, very important, mm -hmm. you know, that I feel like they need to listen to. And I don't have the time to repurpose this into an article for you, but you need to go listen to this. Yeah. Um, when I was starting out, and this is what I recommend to folks who don't have an email list yet, um, a formal quote unquote email list, email 10 people that you know, and this script is in the book mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not going to say it word for word, but it's essentially 
hey, I'm interested in, I'm, I'm going to write a few articles or do a few pieces of content on fill in the blank mm-hmm. and thought you might be interested. Can I send some stuff to you? It's that simple. If they write you back and say yes, you've just added an email subscriber. Yeah. We think that email subscriptions have to do with all of this technology and all these apps and tools that are out there. Those are just ways to do it at scale. Mm-hmm. But if you're starting out, you can just ask people that simple question. Ask 10 people out of the 10 people. I bet you you're going to get a couple of yeses. Yeah. And then do it to 10 more people. These can be colleagues. These can be people on LinkedIn. You can individually message them. Don't be lazy. Customize it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, But invite them. And once you have these folks say yes, you release a podcast episode or an article or whatever it is, you've got your audience. That's how you yeah. start. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of people have asked. I know some people on here already have podcasts. Um, some people are looking to get started. They've asked about what software should should I use? Um, I put this banner up here. Just go to dannyosmond.com slash LinkedIn. That will get you my podcast roadmap. Um and that will get you started. It lists the exact software I, I want you to buy, the exact microphone, which I'm using here, um, which Mike uses as well, to get started, to get started easy and not um, not go down rabbit holes, not get distracted by shiny objects that, that will get you off. Um, well, we're at the end of time here. It's 1130. Um, Mike, is there anything else that we didn't talk about today that you really think people should hear and no. Yeah, when it comes to podcasting, action cures fear. I know that there's a lot of anxiety or you could self-doubt and can I do this? And we often wait for the confidence to go start to do something rather than confidence leading to courage. Courage means you do it scared. Courage means you do it when you don't know what the results are going to be. Courage means you do it despite all of that other stuff. And just stay consistent with it. Remember what I said at the beginning, when it comes to podcasting, consistency is greater than intensity. So just keep putting one foot in front of the other, producing the episodes, and you're sowing seeds that way, and it's going to return. It's going to yield a harvest. So absolutely. And I can't recommend the book enough. I'll make sure it's on camera here. Written by Mike, designed by one of our friends as well. I've listened to the audio book, which Mike reads, and did a wonderful job. The audio sounds amazing, and there's lots of bonuses in the audio book as well. And if you go to youarethebrandbook.com and purchase there, some of the proceeds will actually go to the charity you mentioned earlier, Love 146, that is helping um, stop human trafficking and, and, and rehabilitate some of the kids that have been involved in human trafficking. You have to check out the book. It's wonderful. And if you're thinking about starting your podcast today, go ahead and check out dannyosmond.com slash LinkedIn. Download my roadmap. It will take you through, I think it's 20 steps where we've actually had three of our friends go through this roadmap and start podcasts without any other help from me or Mike. So I recommend that you check it out. Thank you, Mike, for being here. I, I look forward to continuing our relationship and I look forward to your, I think your official book launch is the 13th, right? But people can go ahead and get in today there. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all of you tuning in. I hope that you had some you know, value added to you today and, and get on that podcast. Yes, and if you're watching the replay, go ahead and continue to ask questions in the comments. I will check in and and respond as I can.